Welcome to Fave This, a new show about fandom, internet culture, and the unusual things people do in video games. This is your host, Patricia Hernandez, and I am joined by... I'm Gita Jackson. I'm also a host of this show. (laughs) Gita. Yes. I want to talk about friendship today. Fantastic. (laughs) I'm so ready. (laughs) So when I was younger, I used to play Gears of War all the time. Really, I just used to play on Xbox Live all the time, Mm -hmm. and so I'd be in lobbies with strangers... And by the end of whatever match, whatever game I was playing, they'd just end up on my friends list. We would, like, just become friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always just, like, people from all sorts of walks of life. You know, people my age, people older than me, some people who were younger than me, like little kids, basically, yeah. who were just on Xbox Live for some reason, even though they shouldn't have been playing such a bloody game. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we'd start up party chats and just kind of start talking about life, whatever. Like, we became close friends. Like, I would keep talking to these people over the years. Not so much anymore, but, you know, they we were close friends during that, that period of my life. So the other day I was playing Salmon Run in Splatoon 2, which is uh, horde mode for, for that game. And I'm at a high enough pay grade now that the waves of monsters are almost just overwhelming and it's... It's very easy to just die, like mm-hmm. almost immediately when when rounds begin. So it's very rare to find people who know what they're doing. Yeah. So I had this one round where everything was just like beautiful. Like the people that I was playing with came together and they just knew what to do. And it was just like this very coordinated. I don't even know how to describe it. It was I like saw God during that round of, <laughs> of Salmon Run, and I was it's like, like so looking this into is... the sun. It was yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> so I just never experienced that in that mode. And so I, afterwards I was like it's so rare to find people like this. I should I should probably friend these people, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just so I okay, so I I thought about friending them even though I couldn't say anything to them cuz you know how you can only say like booyah or like yeah, booyah go over here. or out or go here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I thought about friending them, but I just I felt creepy. Really? I like I don't know what it was or I was just like hesitant. I like I was so self-aware about being a random person bugging these strangers to become my friend, even though we never actually said anything to each other. And I just, I ended up doing it anyway, and two out of the three accepted it, but it was just kind of like this weird, vulnerable thing where I was like, I was just so worried that like, what if I'm this 27-year-old who's like (laughs) trying to befriend this eight-year-old, and they're just like, what is this, or or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, can I, yeah, can I accept this uh, friend request, mom? Like, yeah. I don't know who this is. Yeah, because um, yeah, when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, I didn't play games online, partially because so my dad's in IT, so he got, like, the internet a lot sooner than a lot of my friends, mm-hmm. um, and he instilled in me a fear of it a little bit. Oh, yeah, of, of the like, internet? Yeah, because he was like, this is fun and exciting and cool, but you are going to be going out into the wild, wild west here and there's no regulations and people in general will take advantage of you and they'll be mean. I'm really glad he did this Mm -hmm. because it means that up until I think I was sort of an adult with a professional life, I wanted like a brand that I wanted to boost. I like never used 
my real name online and I never told people how old I was. Like mm-hmm. that was very a good job, Pasquita. <laughs> Um, but See, also, my mom was the opposite. Really? She was just like, you're going to get kidnapped if you talk to people online. And, of course, the first thing that I did was still going into, like, those sex chat rooms of and course. just being like, hey, guys, I'm 18 or whatever. <laughs> I just, like, I really paid – I really – it really, like, instilled this fear into me. So mm-hmm. I, like, never played games online until um, – Actually, until after I graduated from college. Afterwards, it was more like, well, it's better for me to, like, meet up with, like, see what games my, like, Tumblr and Twitter friends are are playing and then join them in very private games and mm-hmm. not make friends with randos. I mean, of course, I'm making friends with randos because I'm, like, making Tumblr and Twitter friends, but mm-hmm. it just felt a little bit safer. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. So for me, it's just I was remarking on this that over the years, this phenomenon of me just befriending strangers on the internet, not just even in games, on the internet, period, has kind of stopped. Like, Twitter used to be that for me, and now I'm like, it doesn't happen as much anymore. It can happen, but not really. So I feel like a lot of things has have changed since those days in which I would befriend people easily, and some of it is good, some of it is bad. I feel like I just have more of a sense of paranoia now. Yeah. Like... <laughs> like We've Me- both seen some shit. I've gotten people friending me on Facebook just so that they can screen cap things and then, like, post outraged posts or, or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. look at what this person said or, or whatever. I've gotten people pretending to be other people just to try to get close to me. And it's that just like so crazy. And it's just it's wild. It's, like, really hard to know who to trust sometimes. And I know this sounds really tinfoil hat, but I was reading this thing the other day about how the average number of close friends at the average American has has gone down over the years. So I do I do kind of think that there's this sense of alienation now. Do you feel that at all? Oh yeah. I mean I I did like I made friends with a bunch of games writers but when I started writing about games, you know, back in two thousand and twelve, two thousand thirteen or so. And that was just by being a pest in people's mentions, basically. I think uh, that's how I met our friend Nico. That's how I met Austin Walker. Uh, that's how eventually I ended up meeting Patrick Klepek, um, and like some of the giant bomb people, just by being really aggressive about wanting people to be people's friends and trying to engage them in conversations all the time. I don't do that ever. No, I rarely <laughs> respond. I don't respond to people's tweets because I'm. I don't want things I say to be taken out of context. I don't want to have complex conversations over Twitter, which is a very bad platform to have this kind of conversations. Yeah, on. I feel like I used to use Twitter for everything, and now I'm very sparse. Like it yeah. has to be something just kind of playful and like not really about anything. Like. Yeah. Look at this cool thing that I did in the game or look at what I'm reading now. Honestly, like most that. of the time it's to share my writing or my coworker's writing hmm. or a friend of mine who's who's writing something. Like that's like the three things is like promoting myself, promoting the website I work for or promoting my friends. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, I really try to stay off it because things go out of control on Twitter very quickly. And it's very difficult to say exactly what you mean to say in 140 characters. Mm -hmm. I do think that generally more people, while they do, like, people who aren't as visible as us, I think definitely still use Twitter to make friends and get to know people. Yeah, I've made a new friend. I mean, I know that she is friends with someone I know in real life. I met her through um, someone I know from college. And then we started following each other on Twitter, and we sort of got to know each other more over Twitter. But it was like I had that vouch like my friend vouching for this woman Mm -hmm. so that's the only reason why i feel like i'm able to chat with her on twitter at all uh i do think definitely it's much the internet makes it harder to make friends Mm -hmm. at the end of the day weirdly even though it facilitates communication yeah but i also feel like the media landscape is kind of different now i feel like i'm always being yelled at about like (laughs) 
the quote unquote the other side and like can you believe this group said this can you believe this faction is doing that it's like a genre of reporting now like yeah taking quotes ridiculous quotes from people and just being like can you believe this shit and yeah it's just like constantly um seeing that sort of thing like i was talking to cecilia about this and i just used to have so much more tolerance for talking to even like the awful assholes on xbox live like mm-hmm. no matter what they were saying I don't think that was necessarily like a good thing for me to do or like a good use of time, but I just noted that it was very different. Like I was, if someone was awful to me, I was still likely to talk to them. And and I don't know why. Maybe it was just because I was, I wanted more friends. Maybe it was because I was lonely. I have no idea. But anyway, so, and I get that nobody should feel obligated to spend their free time in an unpleasant way. Like it can be very tiring and damaging to your mental health, especially if like, the other person's difference crosses over more into like I don't believe you should exist. Like, yeah. Like sometimes that's the difference. It's not just like you like ketchup and I love mayo or whatever. <laughs> Although like, that has like... been contentious in the Kotaku <laughs> offices for the past week or so. <laughs> that has been. I've almost come to blows over mayo. I'm serious. <laughs> Mayo's gross. Don't at me. <laughs> so like I get it. Sometimes like these differences and how people can't come together is totally valid. Like, I love my mom, but I don't always have the bandwidth to deal with some of the shit that she says because she's not really educated in in mental health. And if I don't have the mental bandwidth to do that with her, someone that I'm, like, close with, I'm not going to have that bandwidth to do it with a stranger, you know? Like, it's just not going to be a thing. Yeah. But I also think some of these um, differences are technological. Like, with Xbox Live, that was the first time that that I had – uh, digital friends list in a in a video game so it was kind of like this cool new thing I, I wanted to add people to it I wanted to like log in and, and see those names on there and I'm curious so you said that you weren't as open making friends on games so do you feel like in the early days of the internet like if you were on MySpace or the early days of Facebook do you feel like you friended people more easily or was that also not oh, a thing? Oh yeah I totally was like maybe a, I didn't Facebook was always a little bit more personal to me because I felt like this is I got early access to it because I had um, the email address of the college my dad works for so I could mm. get into it while it was still only for college students which made me feel incredibly mature so I uh, really closely guarded the fact that I was still in high school on Facebook which meant not friending people who are also in high school mm-hmm. Um on MySpace, though, I was really out there, and I friended a lot of people. I really wanted to make new friends, and I was very deeply invested in, like, the top eight culture. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I was, like, I remember changing my MySpace name just to my normal name when I uh, was getting kind of into, like, scene culture and changed my MySpace name to uh, Gita Von Grimm, and then someone ch- called me that in real life. And I was like, oh, no, this is stupid. <laughs> Like, no one should call me that. Um, And I was really using it as a self-promoting tool to make myself look cool and also build relationships, not just with people I knew IRL, but with sort of seen famous people. Like, Mm -hmm. if I could have met... What a concept now. Although it it hasn't gone away. That's true. I feel like seen stuff is still there, and especially for, for teens. There's, I mean, fucking, like... Fall Out Boy is still one of the most famous bands and, like, a very incredibly successful. And I just – I mean, I love Fall Out Boy. I am not going to deny that, like, from under the They're also tree. from Chicago, Yeah, right? I mean, they're, they're hometown boys. Actually, um, I think Patrick's wife actually told me that she, she hung out with Patrick Stump in, oh, wow. in college, in uh, high cool. school or something. I don't know. That might not be true. But <laughs> I'm sorry if I, I put your wife on blast, Patrick. Um, but – 
yeah, it's uh I I was like and especially because I came to MySpace from like live journal culture, which is all about very in an anonymous way, you would definitely not share your real name at all. But the culture of live journal when I was a part of fandom was all about big name fans and mm. promoting yourself so that you can become friends with big name fans and endlessly producing content so that people would like that content so that you could become a big name fan. That was kind of the end goal for being in fandom for for me, certainly, even though I was like 13, 14, but for a lot of people, I would say, sure. Yeah, I don't know if that's gone away. Like now the big thing I feel like is is YouTube and it's not uncommon to have, you know, people in the comments for this big YouTuber also have their own channels. Yeah. Even if they're not like, check out my channel, like you, it's very likely that you could click on their name and they would have some videos on there. And yeah. you have kids now, like they pretend to be YouTubers when they're young. They're like talking to a, a pretend audience yeah. or like it's... I think I've heard that it's not uncommon for for kids to be like, I want YouTube to be my career or whatever. Yeah, you heard that you too. met some teens at VidCon, yeah. right? I was about to say the most interesting thing about VidCon was uh, hanging out with the teenagers, and one of the first things they would all say to me was, "I'm starting my own channel, and I just met so many people that I'm going to collab with here." And they, yeah, like one of the young, um, a non-binary trans person I met. Uh, they were like, I met a ton of my favorite LGBT YouTubers, and some of them I'm, we're going to do collabs. Like, I'm going to interview them on my channel. And I was, like, super psyched for them. Mm-hmm. But it was also, like, this is a very business-like way to look at interpersonal relationships. Um, what you were talking about reminded me of uh, – have you ever seen Jeff Gerstmann from Giant Bomb talk about the old days of, like, Uno online for Xbox? No, but I heard it was wild. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one, there's this really great article on Vice about gay men cruising on Uno, which is what amazing. The fuck? <laughs> I know. Like, that was apparently – you could totally reliably cruise on this, like, Uno I wonder app. what, like, years later we're going to find out some, like, innocuous thing yeah. that we all use is actually being used for some sex thing. I'm sure there's some weird connection. Like Swap Note. Yeah, right, I'm sure Swap Note right now. Yeah. No, oh, when it was around. Because right. it, now it's not around anymore. I, I feel the end like of that... Swap Note was so sad. Yeah. I miss it. But I also understand that they could not keep the porn off of it. <laughs> um, yeah, like he, uh, the new Uno game came out for Xbox, the Xbox One, and he said, "I watched the quick look they did," and he was like, "This isn't as good because everyone kind of knows now that this is like a weird, fun thing, and everyone's trying to make Wait a it minute. weird." I wonder, yeah. yeah, if the developers have changed the design of the game at all to try to stop people from doing whatever it is that they did before. Yeah. I mean, I think the general consensus was in the Xbox 360 version, mostly it was just that people didn't realize, like, how fun it would be to just play Uno when you had a face cam on. Oh. So it wasn't like people were going out of their way to make it weird. Oh, so it wasn't like a yeah. special, there wasn't like a special feature in there. It was literally just the face cam. Just and like a face cam would be on there. would do Yeah, and if you were shit. cruising, you would put the camera on your crotch. <laughs> but okay. if you weren't cruising, you would just, like... Play fucking Uno. Right. And, like, it seemed like like the thing you were talking about with Gears of War, where you just have a really good game of Uno mm-hmm. and then make friends with all those people. Yeah, that makes sense because you're, you're seeing someone, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And, like, that's part of the fun with Uno is also, like, bluffing and fucking with people a little bit. So it yeah, makes now sense. Now I kind of want to go play Uno. I haven't played that in, like, at least kind a of, decade. I think it's kind of a good game. Oh, yeah? I don't think, <laughs> I think it's a little bit unfair, a little bit broken. But I, it is really nice when you make someone draw forever. When you trap someone between two people with, like, you know, switch direction. Right. I loved doing that. <laughs> I love that shit. So I asked a bunch of people on Twitter, and they all had some interesting replies as to whether or not they still friended random strangers in online games. 
And I think it really depends on the platform. Like some games facilitate it more than others. I, I think a lot of the people who said they still do it, a lot of them play Destiny and a lot of play of them play GTA Online. But I think overall, most games have just moved away from letting you talk to other people that you play with. Like the option might be turned off by default or like you might just have a preset number of things that you can say like good game or whatever. And it's like you can't say it. You can just press the button to to communicate that to the other people. And I think also just developers uh, don't want to make it easy for people to just harass each other on games. So like the change is, is good, but I, I just, I don't know, I feel like a weird sense of, of loss there. All right, Gita, now it's your turn. All right. What do you want to talk about? So this is a, an extremely Gita Jackson pick of topic, but I have, I do a lot of lurking in fandoms, uh, which makes me feel like a huge creep because I don't want to put any particular fandom on blast, but I'm always curious about what people are talking about. Totally. Um, and I noticed uh, late last week, Jack Saptigai and Markiplier did a collab and like they, they are good friends in real life and they almost never collab. Uh, part of that is seems to be because they know their fan base ships them together pretty heavily. There's a lot... Well, I think they, they live in different places, right? Or yeah. does, does Jack live in L.A. now? Or I thought he was somewhere in the U.K. I think he's still in the U.K. In the UK. I, yeah. um, Mark lives in Los Angeles, and I think Jack is still in the U.K. I mm-hmm. don't believe... His up his like video release schedule leads me to believe that he is not in the United States. Right. Um, but I they are... Buddies, though. And, like, of course, they both travel to go to the same events. And, you know, usually when, according to the people I talked to at VidCon, when people are in the same place, they'll end up doing collabs. It it really, if you have a similar number of followers um, or the disparity isn't too large, it can really, you know, help each other's channels grow. Uh, and for Jack, Septicai, and Markiplier, their fan bases are so huge, like, it's only a good thing when they collab. Mm-hmm. But... It can lead to some, like, weird shit. Like, people, re- they really ship Jack and Mark, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of, um, oh, God, what is the name of their ship? I forget. It is one of those. Mark Septicai? Mark, probably Mark Septicai or something like that. Um, it is. It was Jack Applier? Sept- it's Septiplier. No, that's it a bad is. name. It is. It's Septiplier. I don't like it. Mark Septicai is, like, much better and <laughs> makes more sense. I I really resent the way that we okay so I know exactly the technological reason why we've moved from doing name slash name for ships instead of um, and started doing portmanteaus. Hmm. It's because Tumblr tags do not support slashes. You cannot oh, okay. put a slash in a Tumblr tag. So the reason why we started calling slash slash is because of the slash between the two characters' names. Mm-hmm. That is a tag that is supported by LiveJournal. So that that carried on throughout the entirety of like the LiveJournal age, back from when it used to be from Star Trek zines, you know, for um, Kirk and Spock, you know, it'd be uh, Kirk slash Spock, and they started calling it slash. Uh, in LiveJournal, you could tag all your your posts using the the tag with a slash in it. When we all moved to Tumblr after uh, the Russian government low key bought out LiveJournal to per, uh, to mix, keep Russian journalists from blogging about Russian politics, which is a real wow. thing that happened. That is real. Um, we moved to Tumblr because of that, and you cannot put a slash in Tumblr tags. So now, in order to find fiction for the ship that you like, you have to uh, make a portmanteau. And this is something that 
we used to do, but I always thought it was corny, and the slash thing was always like more popular mm-hmm. for a long some for in Harry Potter. The most corny thing we ever did in fandom for the Harry Potter fandom, we um, made actual ship names as if they were ships, like naval battle ships, and fucking they were all stupid and bad. Like uh, <laughs> we called. Harry Harry Ginny was the HMS pumpkin pie because it was Whoa. just so sweet. <laughs> but that, that I feel like that's at least creative. True, it is well, creative. I, I remember when Doomfist was new. You kind of had this thing of like, what are those ship names going to be like? How, yeah. how are we going to append Fist to all these other? Uh, uh, Fist Gabe names? was my favorite. Fist of the, Gabe, okay. Fist Gabe, uh, because it's just to the point. That's what we're here for. <laughs> That's what you want. That's. I just want to know. I want us all to be honest. We're here. Look, the reason why you're horny for Doomfist is that he's got a large fist. <laughs> so going back to the YouTubers for a second. So the fans ship them together, which is weird because these people have actual relationships, yeah. not to mention they're, they're people. But also, do you not feel like they uh, encourage that? Like they're always kind of joking about how they're involved with each other, how they're going to marry each so, other yeah, the, or whatever. The collab that Mark and Jack did is definitely flirty. It's mm. like they're both in the personas. They both have like weird, evil alter egos. I, I really don't get that, but it's something that the fandom really likes. So they did a collab where Darkiplier and Antiseptic Eye um, antagonized each other. And there was a little bit of like the Hannibal Lecter like – you know the you know the how horny the Hannibal the TV show is but, yeah yeah we so it was a little bit of that you know a little bit of the 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 evil sexy banter thing and they released a behind the scenes video as well where they both kind of acknowledge like yeah this is like a little bit gay mm. and they they play into it and this is something that you know emo bands in the mid to late two thousands also all did this they would like make out with each other on stage and play oh shit in. I didn't know that yeah you know I mean the the example that I think of the famous one used to be One Direction right like yeah. the fans would make gifts of the of all the band members just kind of like touching yeah. each other and like they would these, ruffle each other's hair and like grope each other's or like chests. just touch each other's butts or, or yeah. whatever and and you knew that it didn't necessarily mean anything but the fangirls would go wild for that sort of thing yeah they they love it they i mean it's so easy when you are a young person who knows that they have sexual desires but doesn't really feels a little bit weird about placing yourself in your sexual fantasies if you know that you're attracted to men, it can become very easy to just be like, okay, what if the two men I'm attracted to engaged in sexual activity? Mm. So I can be, I can not be so vulnerable that I need to imagine myself as a pursuer or as a pursued person. Definitely, like when I was younger, it was so much easier for me to be like, I don't have a crush on this guy. I just want to see them make out with another guy. Like mm-hmm. I, it's my my own sexuality was like very distant from like from that kind of thing. Like that's part of like why young people, especially, sort of get into slash. Like the other thing is like kind of figuring out that you're not straight. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the other reason, but but I feel like know. also whatever entity is involved in that sort of thing tends to benefit from it. Like yeah. there's a reason why you know in idol groups they have clauses in their contracts that are like you can't have a significant other yeah you can't date and it's because they want to peddle that fantasy of like 
any of the viewers could be your your next big love or whatever. Like they they yeah. have to be open and, if, and available to to if their viewership. Mark and Jack are flirting with each other, then it makes their girlfriends less real. Hmm. You know, if you watch a video of them touching or you know doing some weird fan surfacey thing, then you can rationalize to yourself like. Oh, the relationship they're in clearly doesn't matter to them that much. You know, it, it doesn't feel real. Well, you were saying that one of the blowups in that fandom was that people were, were giving the actual Markiplier girlfriend shit, or what was it? Um, I only saw vague remnants of this. Um, I didn't go digging too, too far. But Mark did a charity live stream recently, and Jack was on it. He guested on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were playing Dream Daddy, actually. So, oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Everyone is playing Dream Daddy. It's a great game. Um, and I was looking through Tumblr, just through the Septiplier tag, and I saw someone say, don't give Amy shit. Like, and Amy is the name of Mark's girlfriend. Like, mm-hmm. it was really, like, they were saying that during the live stream, you know, Amy, Mark's girlfriend, got a lot of shit, and they were disappointed in the fandom. And this mm. is something I've seen... In a lot of fandoms that ship real people mm-hmm. is that once they actually start having a real relationship and they publicize that, people get very possessive and angry. I know that there And it can still, go both ways, right? Yeah. Like it can be like, no, I don't want you to be with this person. I don't think they're mm-hmm. good enough. Or it can be like hardcore shipping, like you were the best yeah. pair ever. And then if they ever break up, like that can turn ugly. Right? Yeah, I know there's still people who would consider themselves fans of Gerard Way's last girlfriend before he married his current wife, hmm. who was like a scene queen girl. And it, and it happens beyond this too, right? Like people are still always talking about like Jennifer Aniston in, with Brad Pitt. And yes. like, that's been like ages and ages ago. I remember, know, like, I think it was Jezebel actually. They did a year, um, a, a collage of like a year of uh, Us Weeklies or something. And just was like, they thought she, they said that she was pregnant with Brad Pitt's baby like 27 <laughs> times. <laughs> Wait, in like in a recent year. years? It was like from right after they broke up. Oh, okay. So it was from a while ago. But you'll still see people, like the whole thing with Jennifer Aniston is every time she's on a tabloid, people, they will insinuate that she's either um, an old maid now mm-hmm. or still not over Brad Pitt. And she seems to be doing just fine. <laughs> you know, she dated a, she's dating Justin Thoreau, who was like kind of really hot. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah she's, she's hot. He's like really, really sexy. <laughs> she's going to be okay. <laughs> no, but then on the this week's tabloid, it's like Jennifer Aniston's secret hell. Yeah, exactly. Still yeah. thinks about Brad. Exactly. You know, it's something that everybody does. It just, because we are uh, people in fandom have a little bit more access to the people they are fans of. Um, it becomes a lot more personal, mm-hmm. and it gets really scary. I there was like supernatural fandom. So many people ship the two brothers in that show, mm-hmm. and that of course turned into real person like slash for the two actors in that show. And like in the worst moments of it, there were moments where they had to answer questions about real person fiction at conventions, and that was you know that's yeah like that not can be kind of awkward yeah, yeah you know how I, do they how do they treat it because I imagine that comes up a whole lot like do they just kind of play it off or I know for Supernatural they were just not into it and didn't want to answer the questions I know oh. for other fandoms um, they do play into it a little bit more I know John Barrowman from Doctor Who um, is always a little bit like promiscuous and like cheeky about. Uh, being romantic or sexual with his coworkers, and he, he sort of plays it up and enjoys that persona, but it's obviously just not for everybody. I don't think I don't think everyone in the public eye should have to deal with 
real person slash, you know, that kind of thing. Well, John Barrowman's a lot like how PewDiePie is. And PewDiePie is mm. constantly talking about, um, like, Emprag fic with him and Jack or whatever. Yeah, I was watching a PewDiePie video the other day that had a Photoshop of him marrying Jack, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah, he thinks it's really, really funny. And he, he seems a lot less bothered by a lot of things. Although, obviously, are very easily set off by a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. But the whole real person fiction thing for him... He is really, he thinks it's hilarious. but mm-hmm. And he does have a long-term girlfriend as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure. Yeah, that, and I think yeah. that fandom is very supportive of that. Like, they're always talking, like, where's Marcia? Did yeah. And when Marcia makes videos, they're like, oh, did uh, Felix help you record this? Or, like, where's Felix? Or yeah. whatever. Um, <clears throat> I remember they he did a video where he just showed off his closet. And Marcia was, like, kind of in the background, mm-hmm. like, shouting things off camera. And <laughs> it was really sweet. And cute, yeah. and the, like all of the fans are very supportive, very happy to hear mm-hmm. from Marzia. But it can also lead to like these weird dynamics. Like, what if you build a YouTube channel where the entire stick is that you're in a relationship with someone and then you break up with them? Like, that was the whole yeah. what was it, boyfriend versus girlfriend? Yeah, the thing? whole prank war, boyfriend and girlfriend thing. And they broke up with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I that is always like the fear. I've dated someone who I was like very publicly in a relationship with on Twitter. And our breakup was less awkward for me than it was for him because he definitely did want us to be like a weird internet power couple thing. That's so weird yeah. now that that brand building is can be a part of relationships now. Yeah. Like I've I've heard of people who like don't want to tell other people that they've broken up because they like the internet believes that it's like such a good pairing that it yeah. would be awkward for the internet to know and it's not really exactly like a a sense of shame that they don't no longer have a girlfriend or boyfriend it's just literally my brand you know or just like i don't want to have to deal with publicly mourning a relationship for the sake of my fans mm-hmm. Like, I would rather be able to just move on from the end of a relationship and just move on from it rather than making it part of who my online persona is. I heard of this, like, one wild case on Twitch where a Twitch channel was started by a married couple and then they divorced. And then, like, one of the things that they had to fight over in, in court or whatever was the Twitch channel. And, like, the channel ended up going to the guy who who wasn't even as present on on the uh, broadcasts I think and it was just like wow. this entire thing because the fandom was now tuning in to the to this channel and they're like who is the, like they knew who it like I think he like had put in a different person to to do the show or whatever and so fandoms were like who is this like what is this and they couldn't talk about it I think it was like if it was just like this legal thing that they couldn't talk about and it's just so weird to think that all these things can be a part of relationships now yeah, no, it's um, it's so interesting how much the ways in which we connect to each other has changed how we connect to each other. And I don't want to ever get pessimistic about it because mm-hmm. uh, the internet's really improved my life in a lot of ways. There's no way I would be working at Kotaku here now if it wasn't for Twitter. Like, mm-hmm. I know that for a fact. I wouldn't have met you or Danielle if it wasn't for Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time... I have to deal with a whole bunch of new questions about interpersonal relationships. Like, how public do I want to be about my partner online now Mm -hmm. that I have a quote-unquote audience? Or should I friend people that I play games with, Mm -hmm. even if I really like playing games with them? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's... 
I think we're gonna be okay. Honestly, I I <laughs> because I mean the big thing for us is like we are. I think the same age. We're both 27. Mm-hmm. Um, and we both have grown up with the internet, although we remember a time without it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess we're going to be the last generation, I think. Yeah. That can but the say people that. that are younger than us, they kind of get these social things that we don't get. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool, <laughs> actually. Yeah, not, I feel like I should, I want to go ask my little sister if she, how she deals with uh, breaking up. Now in the internet age, and yeah. what that's like. Let um when when you hear back from her, please, please <laughs> yeah, let me know. Yeah, report back. Yes, hell yeah. <laughs> so that was today's show. You have been listening to the inaugural episode of Fave This or the Favecast. I think that that is a really cute nickname for a very good name for a podcast. Um, I am Gita Jackson, and I am joined by Patricia Hernandez. And we, you can find both of our work on Kotaku.com. And if you want to send us reader mail. You should email Patricia at um, patricia.hernandez at kotaku.com. Oh, no, it's patricia at kotaku.com. Just Patricia. See, they got my last name in there. So, (laughs) Yeah, and next time around we'll have a uh, reader segment if you guys send in stuff. So please send us some of your questions or comments or interesting and cool things that you've seen online and in fandom. So thanks for listening. 